Okay, we're in a series called The Fruit of the Spirit. Put it on the screen uh, for your handouts. We have a uh, memory verse. It's Galatians 5.22. Take it off the screen. I want to see if they know it, Dawson. You ready? Y'all ready? Galatians 5.22, go. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Just the ladies, ready? Ladies, go. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Okay, men, we got this. Men, we got this. We got this, men. I'm telling you. Ready? Men, go. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Man, those seven men got it down. They got it down pat. (laughs) Honestly, it's not about competing. It's just about having fun, okay? Okay, so uh, we are in part seven today. The title for your notes is this, Faithful with Little. Faithful with Little. Before we get into the little part, let me talk to you about what it means to be faithful. It means to be dedicated, steadfast, constant, reliable. Anyone in this room can be faithful whenever their emotions are backing them up. Anybody in this room can do the right thing whenever they're on stage and there's lights pointed at them and everybody's watching. Anybody in this room can be faithful with the things God's asked them to do whenever someone's bragging on you or encouraging you or rewarding you for all of your efforts. The key is can we be faithful behind the scenes when no one's looking? Can we be faithful when our emotions are not backing us up and we don't feel like doing it? Can we be faithful when nobody's bragging on us and nobody's saying you're doing such a good job? That is the question of faithfulness. There's an old geyser, I almost wanted to say geezer, but there's an old geyser in uh, the national state. We have a lot of geezers around here. We don't have any geysers around here in Myrtle Beach. There's a a geyser in National uh, Yellowstone National Park called Old Faithful. The reason they named it Old Faithful is because for decades, every 84 minutes, it erupted. 80, they said you could set your watch by every 84 minutes without fail. That means even though the other geysers there, they were in a bad mood, Old Faithful would erupt every 84 minutes. All the other geysers thought, man, it's not exciting anymore. I know we signed up to erupt, but after three months, ah, it's just not fun anymore. Old Faithful would always erupt. Old Faithful erupted every 84 minutes, regardless of what all the other geysers were doing, regardless of what the weather was like, regardless of how they felt, and that's why they named it Old Faithful. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many men claim to be loyal, but a faithful man who can find. They're rare. It is very rare to find somebody who can do the right thing behind the scenes when no one's looking. It's very rare to find somebody who, when God speaks to them about doing something, they don't make excuses for why it can't get done. It's very, very rare. Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, A faithful man, committed and persistent, shall abound with great blessings. Now, um, I want you to remember the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of you. You're allowed, you get to bear it when you spend time with Jesus. You get to bear it, but it belongs to Him. And and if if the word Holy Spirit makes you feel weird because of whatever background you're from, it can be the fruit of God. The fruit of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit of the Trinity is the one that is responsible for helping us bear it in life. So I wanted to read some scriptures of how the Holy Spirit is faithful. Because it's His fruit. It belongs to God, okay? 2 Corinthians 1.18, and you can see some synonyms for faithfulness in here. God is trustworthy. 
That's a good synonym for faithfulness. And faithful, and he means what he says. In other words, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. When he signs up to volunteer, he volunteers. When he says he's going to be there at 3 p.m., he's going to be there at 3 p.m. He's faithful. Hebrews 10, 23, he who is promised is reliable and faithful to his word. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy. Do you, do you hear all those beautiful synonyms that we really don't use to, to we don't use those words to describe people anymore? When was the last time you thought, man, he is so reliable. She is so trustworthy. I could trust her with my ATM card. I could trust him with my children. Reliable, trustworthy, therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. He's dependable. Now you'll love this one, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is always faithful to forgive our sins. Psalms 18, 25, to the faithful, God will show himself faithful. Now I love this scripture because it means when we're faithful, then he's faithful. Do you, do you understand that that's what it says? We're faithful, he's faithful. Now, let me just tell you something, okay? This is so beautiful. And this is true. When we're faithful, he is faithful. But guess what? When we're not faithful, 2 Timothy 2.13, he remains faithful. Because it's his fruit. That is one of the most beautiful scriptures ever. Even when we don't keep our word, he still keeps his. Even when we don't do our part, he still does his part. Even when we slack off, he has never slacked off. Not once in the history of the universe. So I've taught you that the different fruit, they help us in different areas of life. You can put on the screen, love is for relationships, joy for strength, peace helps us hear God, patience is God's timing, kindness and goodness is for future blessings, faithfulness for your notes is this, it is for promotion. And especially, this is beautiful, it is for eternal promotion as well. In other words, um, if you're faithful to the kingdom on earth, the day you see Jesus in heaven, whatever reward or promotion he gives you that first day, that's what you have for all of eternity. It, there's no climbing ranks in heaven. It's not like you get to heaven and you serve for a little bit here and then you get to serve up a little bit higher and then you get to and then you start in this little tent depending on, you know, you're a good guy or not, and then you get to move up to a one-bedroom apartment, and then, no, 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 whatever you get on day one is what you have for all of eternity. Now, you get to heaven by the grace of God, by belief and receiving. That's right. But what your heaven is like is based on your faithfulness on earth to his kingdom. And it's really sad, and I don't want to depress you, but some of you married couples that really love each other a lot, you're not going to be in the same area in heaven as the other person. One of you is going to have a big old giant mansion in, 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 in the city of heaven, and the other one, mister, you're going to have your little tent way outside in the wilderness somewhere on Mars. I don't know where God's going to put you. But even your job in heaven, and we call it jobs on earth, the area you serve at in heaven, whatever area you get day one, that's what you have for all of eternity for billions and billions and billions of centuries. So you better get to being faithful now. Revelation 2.10, be faithful even up to death, and I'll give you a victor's crown of life. That crown, you have it forever. You have it forever. As soon as you get to heaven, it is with you for all of eternity. And here's the big one that we all know, Luke 19, 17. Well done, excellent servant. Now, if you don't know what excellent is, um, go eat at Chick-fil-A and then go eat at any other fast food restaurant and you'll see the difference between excellence, right? Okay, except for on Sunday. Because, you, it's funny, Sunday is the only day I crave Chick-fil-A. Does that ever happen to y'all? Because you have been faithful with little, I will put you in charge of ten cities in my kingdom. In other words, the way your faithfulness is on earth, especially in the little things, 
depends on what you get for all of eternity. And there's no going back saying, I want to redo this. No, it's all about what you do on earth. So Luke 16, 10, Matthew 25, 23, and then we'll get into our points. He who is faithful with little can be trusted to be faithful with much. Um, because you have been faithful with little, I will put you in charge of much. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't want to be in charge. I bet you'd like to be in charge of a lot of money. I bet you'd be like being in charge of much wisdom. I'd like, I bet you'd like to be in charge of much encouragement or much influence. I bet you'd like to be able to influence people for the kingdom. Okay, the only way biblically, the only way biblically God will ever give you much is if you're faithful with little. So if all you have today is something little, you're in the perfect position to be trusted with much. It's all about how faithful you are with that little bit now. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I, I came home and uh, I went and worked out and I messed up my back and my back was hurting so bad. As soon as I pulled in my driveway, I saw one of my neighbors, he's an elderly man, he's in his 80s, um, and, and by the flags that he flies in his yard, we're not close friends at all, you know, and I can tell we're never going to be close friends. However, uh, he had had a huge pallet of sod delivered to his house, and he's 85, 86 years old, and he's trying to lay that sod himself. And as soon as I pulled up, I heard that nasty little voice on the inside say, um, you need to go lay that sod for him. So I stopped and I said, get thee behind me, Satan, and then I, I, I rebuked that, that spirit, whatever it was. It surely couldn't be God because my back hurt. Not only that, but God knows that laying sod is not a job for piano players. Um, we have very sensitive hands and a very sensitive heart, and that's just not the kind of people you want laying sod. Um, but I wanted to argue. I didn't. I went out there and I said, can I help you lay your sod? I was hoping he'd say, no, I don't need your help. I got some people coming. He said, sure. And so um, with every man, I just counted down. Okay, it'll probably be 200 trips and then 199 trips. And I just kept counting over and over. My back was hurting. The sun was hot. I had dirt all over me. Got done laying the last piece. And I would love to close the story and say, after that, I led him to Jesus. And he took down those flags. Or after that, he gave me a $500 gift card to Ruth's Chris or something. No, no, after that, we just waved goodbye and we were done. So that's one of those things that you won't see the reward for on earth. You'll see it when you get to heaven. And it's those areas. See, anybody can be, if I said, hey, I want you to come up on stage. Or I want you to lead 100 people over here. I want you to do this. Anybody can be faithful with that. When the lights are on you and everyone's looking, anybody can do it. It's the, it's the little things that God always uses when he wants to do something big in your life. So I have three points for you. They all have the letter T. So point number one is this, little tests. Little tests. It says, uh, James 1.12, Blessed are those who remain faithful under trials, because when they pass the test, they will receive the reward that God has promised. Okay? Listen, getting to work on time is a little test. Getting to school on time is a little test. Saying yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am and no ma'am, I know in the north, y'all don't know what that means, but in the south, that's a sign of respect. It's a little test, it's a little test. Submitting to that authority, you say, well I don't get paid to do this part of the job, it doesn't matter, it's a little test. If you smoke, man, throw your cigarette butts away, and away is not out of the car, and away is not on church grounds, away is in the trash can. I realize it's little, it's the little things God's going to use to get you the big things in life. It's a little test. 
when you go to the grocery store and you got your buggy, you know, and you put your groceries up, don't just push your buggy out in the parking lot where there's no cars at. Put the buggy up where it goes. You say, well, nobody's looking. God's always looking. It's a little test. Don't confuse little with insignificant. It's the little things. When God has something big for his children, he always starts with something small. Listen, if you can't forgive a little offense right now, don't ever own your own business because once you see the Google reviews that people write about you, it'll keep you up all night long. You have to learn how to forgive right where you're at now. Don't think you're going to be trusted with more money if you can't be trusted with what God's... It's a little test, little test. Um, my favorite subject outside of the Bible is botany and black history. I love, I've read every book, watched every movie, from Medgar Evers to, to Rosa Parks, every one of them. And I love it because you have this, this group of people that were completely oppressed and society was against them, yet there's some that will apply biblical principles and they rise up out of it, which teaches all of us there's no excuse for any of us not to have much in the kingdom of God when we're on God's side, because when we apply his principles, God is not bound by racism, he's not bound by segregation, he's not bound by the earthly laws, none of that stuff. I was reading about a guy named uh, George Raveling the other day. George right now, I think we have a picture of him, but he's, um, he's six foot six, and he was born in 1937, and so he was around when there was racism and segregation and all that. Now today, he's one of the most uh, successful NBA former basketball coaches and basketball players. In. He made the Hall of Fame, incredibly successful. He's helped thousands of young people, an amazing guy. He attributes all of his success to simply being faithful. When he talks about how when you hear that still, small voice, you just do it. You don't complain, you don't make excuses, you just put a smile on your face and you do it. One day as a young man, he didn't really know what he wanted to do in life, he didn't have any inspiration, and his family was visiting Washington, D.C. He's walking down the road by himself, and this large group of African Americans are walking down the street, and they see him and they say, hey, man, you're a big guy, you're six foot six, we need somebody to pretend like they're security up where we're about to have these speeches and give these, will you just stand there on stage, we'll give you an outfit, just stand there, that's it. He said, well, how long is it going to take? I don't know, a few hours. He thought, man, it's hot out here, I'm wearing these long sleeves, but something inside of him said, just do it. So he goes with them, they walk down the street, they're there in Washington, he's up on a stage wearing long sleeve, long pants. He said it was the most boring time of his life. He just stood there with the sun beating down on his face, listening to one speaker after the next, after the next, Boring, boring, boring. He thought, maybe if I just slip off the stage, nobody will notice. But he knew he gave his word, and he just kind of stuck with it. Finally got to the last speaker. The last speaker opened up his notes. It was two or three pages of notes. Uh, the first page, George said, as he began talking, uh, the speaker was just as boring as all the rest. There was no connection with the audience. Nothing was really said of any value. Then the speaker goes to the second page. He looks down. He looks back up, and he just starts talking. And George said once he got to that second page, his whole life changed forever. The most inspirational words he had ever heard. He could not believe that this man was saying these things. It was the most powerful speech he had ever heard his entire life. As soon as the speech was over, he ran over to him. He said that was the best speech ever. He said the speaker folded up the paper, put it up against his chest, and said thank you very much. George took the paper, put it in his pocket, and that was the end of it. All the rest of the day, George kept thinking, man, I can't wait till I get back to my hotel. I'm going to go over that second page of notes. I cannot wait to read those words that forever changed my life. He got back to the hotel. He opened up the paper, and he thought, where are those words at? He looked at the second page, looked at the third page. He couldn't find anything the speaker was saying. 
That's when he realized that once the speaker got through the first page and wasn't really connecting with the crowd, he just started to speak out of his heart after that. George could hear those words ringing through his head over and over and over again. I have a dream that one day little black boys and little white children will play together. I have a dream that even in the depths of the South where racism is strong, it'll cease to exist. I have a dream over and over and over again. To this day, George has been offered over $3.5 million for those little pieces of paper, which he says he is not the owner of the paper, so he can't sell it. He's just the protector of the speech. That speech forever changed his life, and it set, himself, it set him in motion in the direction of always being faithful with the little when you hear that still small voice on the inside. In Genesis 37, God gave Joseph a dream that he was going to have much, be in charge of much, great promotion. He was immature, he was young, he didn't know what to do with that, and he went and bragged to his brothers. His brothers were jealous of him, they hated him, so they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. Here's my question, will Joseph be faithful as a slave? Remember now, he's not making more than minimum wage, if that. He's not going to, you know, climb the ranks. And they say, oh, Joseph, you're no longer going to be a slave because you're doing such a good job. Is he going to be faithful in a place where it seems like nothing could ever change? Of course he is, Genesis 39. 4 says his master made Joseph supervisor of his house and put him ready in charge of everything he owned. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. Side note, God blessed the house of an atheist because there was a faithful man of God there working. The place that you work at should be blessed because you're there. You say, well, they don't believe in God. And they're like, oh, if you're there and you're faithful, God will favor that place and bless that place. Your work should never want you to leave. You should be so faithful and so excellent, they'll do anything to keep you there. You know, a lot of people, they quit one job, right, start another one, quit, start another one. Now, I'm not getting treated right. And then after seven years, they think, why hasn't God promoted me? If you had stayed at the first job, when you didn't get your way and you stayed there with a good attitude anyway, and you didn't agree and you stayed there with a good attitude anyway, after seven years, you would be promoted to a different place. You just keep bouncing around. Genesis 39, 22, after Joseph goes to jail, watch this. The warden of the prison put Joseph in charge. Do you see? Faithful is little, in charge of much. And all the prisoners and everything in the jail. So Joseph did that for 13 years. 13 years and one day Pharaoh has a dream and what does Pharaoh say in Genesis 41 40 I'm gonna put you in charge of my country and all my people will obey your orders I have a lot of people that come through here especially when we're always trying to find somebody to head up the music department to take that weight off of me and their attitude is always this once I'm in charge then I'll be faithful with little it doesn't work like that man if you can't learn the songs for practice when you're just singing backup, how am I going to trust you to learn the songs when you're in charge of the whole team? If you can't have a good attitude when you're just here to serve others and bring them water, how am I going to get you to have a good attitude when you're in charge of them? It always starts with little. The, person, the position doesn't make the person succeed. The person makes the position succeed. See, a lot of people think, well, once I get the position, then I'm going to do this and this and this. No, 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 no. It's the person that does it. In other words, if you're called to be the CEO, if you're called to be the CEO, then when we put you in the mailroom, you'll end up running the mailroom. It'll run smoother than it's ever run if you're called to be a CEO. If you're called to be a CEO, after the mailroom, you get promoted to being over a, an area of, of work there or whatever manager, 
then that place will run better than it's ever run. People will be happy because you're over them. It'll go smooth. If you're called to be the CEO, then when you get to vice president, man, you'll make the best thing there. Everyone will love it. It'll do it. If you're called to be, but you can't think, well, once I, if I'm CEO, then I'll do all of this stuff. Then I'll treat people right. Then I'll come in on time. Then I'll have a good attitude. If you can't do it where you're at, you won't do it where you're getting to. And God knows that. The road of greatness always starts with the road of smallness. Let me tell you why this is so beautiful. Because a lot of us, and even myself, we're on the road of smallness. But we should not despise it because the road of smallness always gives way to the road of greatness. After you're faithful with this road of smallness, then God will get you to that road of greatness. There's no shortcuts to promotion in the kingdom of God. It's all about what God sees you doing behind the scenes. I was reading about this one plant. It's called Chinese bamboo. And you plant a little bit of it, it's a few inches tall, and you water it, and you give it fertilizer, and you put it in the sun. And the first five years, it grows eight inches. That's it. I mean, you're doing your best being faithful and watering it and taking care of it. And in five years, it's about eight inches tall. What you don't see during those five years, though, is the massive root system underneath the ground. I mean, those roots go in every direction, as deep as they can possibly grow. So that in the sixth year of Chinese bamboo, in that one sixth year, it goes from eight inches to 80 feet in the air, all in the sixth year. Here's our problem. We want sixth year results without the five years of faithfulness. We're praying for that sixth year. God, when am I going to get these results? And God's saying, when you got five years of faithfulness under your belt. See, what people can't see is what's happening underneath. When you forgive the little offense, when you handle the little thing, when, when you serve with a good attitude, even when you don't want to, when you're taking out the trash as if you're preaching a sermon, that's when your massive root system is being developed. And God cannot take you up until you go down. That's how the kingdom of God works. Um, point number two for your notes is this. Little tithe. Little tithe. Uh, Leviticus chapter 27 and Hebrews chapter 7, all through those chapters, it says over and over, the tithe, the first fruits, the first tenth of your income is the Lord's and it's holy. Now, there's two reasons I chose tithe as one of my points. First reason is because is it starts with letter T, and it's the only other words in the Bible I could find that start with letter T, so it worked out good. Second reason is this, is being faithful is all about taking care of what somebody else's. See, at the business you work at, you need to work there as if your name is on the business. That's how you'll be faithful. Well, when you're at church, this church is not mine, this church is not yours. It's God's church. So how well you serve, it's, God. it's for God you're doing it. How well you treat people, it's for God. It's not for me, right? It's not your, this is God's church. So the tithe, it belongs to God. It's holy. It's something he lets you have in your hands that's holy to see what you're going to do with it. It's a little test. It's only 10%. I'll be honest with you, it takes zero faith to tithe. It just takes obedience. It would take faith if God said, bring me 90% and you keep 10%. That would take faith. 10% is nothing. Malachi 3, 8 says this, will a man rob God? How can we rob God? Because it's his. He's seeing, I want to bless you. I want to promote you. How well can you be faithful with something that's not yours? Will you do with it what the owner says to do with it? That's faithfulness. Here's how you've robbed me. You withhold your tithes and offerings. Bring, he doesn't say give, bring the first tenth of your income, and he says, it's my house, it's my church. Okay, listen, all through the Bible, it never says give your tithe. 
So don't ever think you're a giver if you tithe. You bring it. You can't give something that's not yours. Um, if I let you use my truck, right, and then after a few days you come to me and you have a little happy birthday bag and it's got a card in there and the keys to my truck are in there, I, I, I want to give you something. Oh, what do you want to give me? I want to give you your truck. You can't give me my truck. It's already mine. You can bring it back to me. You, do you understand the difference between the tithe and the... Okay, you bring it to God the first tenth of the year to come. First Corinthians 4, 2. It is required of God's stewards that they be faithful, reliable, and proving trustworthy. A steward is somebody that manages something that belongs to somebody else. So listen, if you're here today and you are renting a home or you're renting a condo or renting an apartment, listen real close, how you treat that is going to determine if God lets you own your own home or your own apartment. You ever stayed at somebody else's house, right? They let you stay in their house with them. You know what you do when you leave? You make that bed as pretty as you can. You hang up those towels. You make sure everything's clean. You know why? It belongs to somebody else. The tithe doesn't belong to us. And how well you treat what belongs to someone else will determine if God gives you your own. It would be so cool if I could find a scripture that said that. Luke 16, 12. If you've not been faithful with the wealth of another, who will give you your own? It's not yours. It's God's. Um, there's a movie called Evan Almighty. Okay. There's a movie called Freddy Krueger, and um, Evan Almighty, and, and, he's, and, and Morgan Freeman who plays God, which I hope that's what God looks like. When I pray, that's what I see. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, James Earl Jones would be nice too. But anyway, and so Morgan Freeman, he says this. He says, when somebody prays for patience, does God just give them patience or does he give them a situation in which they need to be patient? When someone prays for courage, does God just throw courage on them? Or does he give them a situation, the opportunity to be courageous? Okay, ready? When we pray for promotion, when we pray for God to bless us with much, does God just pour it out on us? Or does he give us opportunities to be faithful with the little? You know, when I think about sermons like this, I can't help it. I think about people like Mary Heflin. Serves behind the scenes. No one's brought her up on stage. No one sees everything she does. Kristen Fazio in our church, always behind the scenes, working her butt off. Nick Jenis. Man, Nick, he blesses me so much. Uh, this, this projector is one of the things that stresses me out here as a pastor. I can't stand it because when there's a problem with it, you have to go get this 450-pound ladder out of the storage room, carry it through here, put it up there, and then you have to get on the very tip top of the ladder and figure out what's wrong while you're on the ladder. And the other night there was a problem, and I thought, oh, we got church on Sunday. Nick got off work at 3.30 or 4 a.m., comes up here after work in the middle of the night. No one knows he did it. No one's here helping him. Man, it's people like that. They're going to have some big houses up in heaven, big house up in heaven. We get up there, man, Mary Heflin's going to have a mansion. I'm going to be her janitor. I'm going to be there. Mary, can I, can I dust your lamps off today, please? You're going to be shocked when you see a lot of TV preachers, a lot of pastors, and they have a little itty-bitty one-bedroom somewhere on Mars or, you know, Pluto. And you see people, you thought, well, I didn't even see them at church. They were behind the scenes being faithful with the little things, right? When God wants somebody to, to slay a giant, you know what he goes after? He goes after somebody that's faithful with somebody else's little sheep. When God wants someone to lead a revolution, you know, Samson, all he had was the jawbone of a donkey. He didn't have a huge army backing him up. But when you take the little and you put it in the hands of God, 
when God needed somebody to part a Red Sea, he goes to a man and says, listen, I'm just going to trust you with one little phrase. Just go tell them, let my people go. That's it. If I can trust you with that little phrase, I'll give you two million people to lead. See, we always want to wait till the big things open up. You'll never get to the big without doing the small. Point number three is this, little talent. A little talent. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, Entrust the things you've heard from me to faithful men or women who have ability. Who have ability. Uh, can you be faithful with your ability? Don't compare that ability to everybody else's. Man, I'm not as good as them. No, no, no. It's not about how good you are compared to them. It's about are you using what you have for God? I don't care how small it is. It is not insignificant when you put it in the hands of God. Uh, David, he spent years in the wilderness taking care of somebody else's sheep. Remember a bear came after those sheep and then a lion? Now, I don't know about y'all. If I was watching somebody else's sheep and a lion approach, I don't care what kind of cat approached, any kind of cat, I'd say, how many sheep do you want? Take whatever you want. Don't talk to me. Right? What would you do if a bear came approaching? You wouldn't, oh, I'm going to fight this bear. It was somebody else's and David still took care of it. So one day in 1 Samuel 17, 17, Jesse, who was David's father, remember, Jesse's the one that rejected David, rejected him. Remember that, rejection from a father. Jesse said to David, take your brothers some bread and cheese. They're in the Ella Valley fighting the Philistines. And what did David say? Why should I? What do your teenagers say when you ask them to do something for their sibling? Well, can't mom do it? Well, well why? I, I, have, I, I have to finish my Xbox game. What am I going to do? I, I can't pause it. What did, what did David say? Is that what David said? Well, listen, let me tell you what excellence David had behind the scenes. Verse 20, David got up early. This is a teenager we're talking about. And just so you know, God can promote teenagers. Uh, Jeremiah, David, Joseph, God can promote teenagers, okay? David got up early and arranged for someone to watch after. You know that? When, when you leave a position, please train somebody for that position before you leave. Don't leave your company high and dry having to figure out what they're going to do. That company's been paying you. I don't like my job. They've been paying you. They could have chose somebody else to take that job. They didn't. They chose you. Watch after the sheep and went just as the man who rejected him had directed him to do. In other words, he submitted to authority when he didn't agree, when he didn't like it. He put a smile on his face, and he did an excellent job. Now, do you know what David discovered when he obeyed his father that day? You know who was in the Ella Valley, right? Goliath. What if David had not submitted to that authority? What if he had had an attitude with his father? He said, I'll do it later. I'll get to it some other day. 1 Samuel 17, 40, when David got there, he chose five smooth stones. And with his sling, with his little itty-bitty talent, he approached this huge Philistine. Now, people have asked before, why did David get five stones? Did they think he was going to miss some of that? If you keep reading your Bible, you discover that Goliath had four brothers. And 2 Samuel 21, 22 says, these four giants fell by the hands of David. I believe it was a sign of faith. Okay, God, not only am I going to be faithful with this giant, I'm going to take care of his four brothers as well. Here's what I want you to see. Judges 20, verse 6. By the way, all these giants had six fingers and six toes on both hands of the feet. Really cool. Judges 20, 16 says, I think it's cool. There, unless any of you got that, then it's not cool at all, okay? And don't show us if you do. I'd rather you have four fingers than six. Anyway, there were seven. I 
I have so many jokes I could tell about extra fingers and all, and giants picking their nose. Now, there were seven other experts who could sling a rock at a hair and not miss. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought David was the only one. I thought he was the best. I thought there was no other slingshotter like David, and that's why he won. I thought out of all the singers, he, he, could hit, he was the only one that could hit the high notes. I thought out of all the, the teachers, he had the biggest class. I thought out of all the, the business owners, his business was the best. No, 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 don't be deceived. David had something that everybody else had too. He was just the only one that was willing to put it in the hands of God and use it for the kingdom. How many other people had the same opportunity as David? Hundreds, if not thousands. How many people had the same opportunity as, as Moses or as Joseph? They just weren't faithful with the little things. Man, and when David defeated Goliath and he became a hero overnight, everyone knew the name David. They sung songs about him. But in reality, it didn't happen overnight. What they didn't see was the years of faithfulness behind the scenes. And when you see somebody that God has promoted, you better rest assured they went through hell and back to get there. You better rest assured they did the right thing when no one was looking. You better rest assured blood, sweat, and tears went into what God has given them. Don't ever think there's an easy way to get there. There's not. You've got to be faithful with the little. So I'll close with this. Um, around COVID time, I was watching, you know, we were all stuck on YouTube watching videos, and I'm stuck at home. And I saw this, this video about this elderly gentleman in England. His name's Paul Harvey. He was 80 years old when this took place a few years ago. And he was suffering from dementia, horrible dementia, Alzheimer's. And his son would take care of him. Paul, at one point in life, was an incredible composer. He was a master pianist. Uh, he could write the most beautiful symphonies. He could lead orchestras. Just an amazing, talented guy. But through dementia and Alzheimer's, he kind of lost all of that knowledge. There were some days he didn't even know who he was. So his son would wake him up in the morning and kind of spend an hour or two saying, okay, I'm your son. Your name is Paul. I'm here to take care of you, you know, on and on to kind of get his mind going. And then they'd finally be able to start their day. Well, the son decided to do something unusual one day. He said, Dad, I want you to sit at the piano. And his dad sat there and thought, what am I doing here? I don't know how to play the piano. He said, no, you do know how to play the piano. You just have to remember. And so the son called out four little notes. He said, okay, Dad, I want you to play a C. And the dad would think and think and think, and then he'd finally find the C. I want you to play an A flat. And the dad would look all at the piano. He'd finally, and then he did four. And then his son said, okay, play it again. And he'd play the four notes again. And then again, and then after a few minutes, then he started adding other fingers to it, and he started playing. And after about an hour, he was playing all over the piano, and they'd start their day. He knew who he was as his mind came back to him. So one day during COVID, the son decided that he was going to videotape it with his phone, put it on YouTube to help people who had um, elderly uh, parents that were taken care of with dementia. If they were musicians, he said this is a really quick way for them to get their mind back. And so one day he videotaped and he sat his dad at the piano. He said, Dad, I want you to play an F. He played an F. And I want you to play an A. He played an A. And then a D. And then a B. He said, okay, play it again. So his dad played it again. He said, okay, play it somewhere else on the piano. So he played it somewhere else. And they started to add a note with it. Then another.
So after he played, <laughs> and the got on video and it was on film, uh, the BBC <laughs> Philharmonic, uh, the man in charge, saw the video, and he knew who Paul was, knew he was suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia, and he sent those four little notes that he played on YouTube to his master composer. The master composer took the four little notes and wrote a symphony around it. The symphony was sent to the chief conductor who called the entire orchestra and virtually all of them from their homes because it was COVID, they all composed and recorded a song over the four notes of the 80-year-old dementia patient. And here's a video of that. Uh, F natural. A. D. B natural. Those are your four notes. Everyone involved wanted this moment to be the first airtime of Four Notes, Paul's Tune. today is four little notes. You look in your bank, four little notes. You go to work, four little notes. Your talent, four little notes. It's not about how much you have. It's about if you can be faithful with the little you do have. Then the master composer writes the most beautiful orchestra for your life. Jesus calls in the woodwinds, which is the favor of God, the brass, which is the power of God, the strings, which is the grace of God. And before you know it, you have so much blessings in your life, all because you were faithful with just four little notes. Zechariah 4.10 says, does anyone dare despise the day of small beginnings? Which I hope not, because that is the foundation for how far God is going to take us in life. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We love to close our service out with a few moments of silence for the Holy Spirit to speak to you directly, one-on-one. -on -one. I'm sure that all of us in this room, in some area of our life, we have been praying for much much healing, much favor, much money, much wisdom, much peace. Not only can this fruit of faithfulness affect all of that now, but it also affects your eternal rewards forever and ever. 
So if you're here today and you've been complaining about the little, you've been despising the small, you have been um, quitting when things get tough, you're losing that good attitude when you don't feel like it, all that stuff. If you're here today and you want to get that fruit of faithfulness back on your tree, can you lift your hand so I can pray for you real quick? Hands up, 30 seconds. Lord, thank you so much that we cannot bear any of this fruit without you. Thank you that it's only by your Holy Spirit. So God, right now we ask that you just prepare our root system by being faithful with little. Spread those roots out in every which direction as deep as they can possibly go. Lord, we no longer despise the day of small beginnings. God, we thank you for that road of smallness because we know that it always takes us to the road of greatness. Lord, thank you that it is only through you we can be faithful. So God, every person that has their hand raised in this room, just pour out some of your faithfulness on us. Give us more opportunities with the small. Give us more little things behind the scenes. Let us show you, Lord, that we are ready, willing, and able to be just as happy with the little as we will be when you've trusted us with much. We thank you for doing this in our life right now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.